thank you so much for this great introduction. It was great. And I'm so happy to see so many faces here that I recognize. So it's, thank you for coming. That's a real honor for me to be here today. So I want to talk about the status of freelance barista. So to understand a little bit what does mean this situation, I will just share my personal stories. And so all what I will tell you right now is only my personal point of view. Okay. So what I'm actually doing now is most of the time giving barista trainings, working on exhibition on trade show for different brands in different kind of sectors. Um, I give some consulting with the teams that I have in France and the rest of my time I'm training and focusing on competition. So I start, I did a degree in anthropology, like Steve just said, uh, and I discovered specialty coffee by chance by drinking my first specialty coffee espresso. And I was so surprised. I, I didn't really like it at the beginning, to be honest, but I was fascinated by this possibility and this world. That I didn't have any idea before, and so I decided to do my first barista training, just because I was curious. So I did like one week training, and I fell in love with coffee this way. So this is like from this barista training. Uh, I directly start to work as a barista, as an independent barista, as a freelance. Because this company where I did my first barista training, they were also proposing different kind of services for different kind of events. So they are the one who asked me to create this freelance status in order to be hired for some missions. Because for them, for this kind of company, it's much more interested to work with uh, independent workers or freelance workers because it's financially, there is more, much more interest for them. <laughs> so I start my career this way, but it was a complete chance, a total hazard. I didn't plan anything that was just following the flow. So why is it more interesting for this kind of company to hire freelance workers? So there is two aspects the financial aspect and the flexibility. So financially, you have to know that in France, an employee costs a lot of money because we have a lot of social law and so the companies has to pay a lot of social contribution and a lot of taxes. So this is, represents a ton of money. So because they want to reduce these costs, they prefer to hire independent workers. So this way they are free of all of these taxes and this worker is seen as a service provider and being a service provider is like tax deductible at the end of the year. But that means that if the company is not paying for these taxes, you have to pay for all of your own taxes because you are like a micro company. So this is also something which is challenging. And for flexibility, of course, so as an employee costs a lot of money, it also costs a lot of money to fire this employee. Uh, it's very complicated. You have to go through a lot of judgment and you have to waste a lot of money. So to avoid this possibility, that's why these companies prefer to work with independent barista. Um, so this way they, al they also can adapt your working time. So you can work any time for any amount of time and you are just paid for this time that you are working. So that's tough because your service is limited in time you don't have any stability, you don't have any long-term contract, so it's a very precarious status. Um, and it's just about the temporary needs that you will provide for this week or the next month. You cannot make any plan for your future. 
and the demand is not strong enough to be able to, to consider to create a full-time position for you. So you really need to learn how to manage this instability um, because there is no security at all with the status. So you really need to learn how to enjoy unknown and incertitude. So first I, I start with this very bad feeling where I realize all of the limits of this, of this status of freelance. I had a lot of doubts and a lot of disappointments because the tr this system of freelance didn't treat me well at all because I was not treated as a long-term employee. I didn't have any stability, I couldn't make any future plan, and it's even very difficult to rent an apartment with this kind of statue. So, that was very scary. I was not protected by the system, and I was very worried about my future and my sustainability <laughs> in this industry, because I, was, I couldn't know what was coming next. So, and also the fact that you have to pay for your own taxes represents a lot of very boring and very easy paperwork, and I really hate this part. <laughs> but then I realized that it could be a great way to start, and it could be a great opportunity to experiment this coffee industry and also see if I was really passionate about this, this industry of specialty coffee. So I really tried to take advantage of this situation and take control of this year. Not so awesome situation, but I realized that this freedom was like not risky at all and I didn't have any engagement. So that also learned me how to improvise in life. So, this chance to be free with not any dependence regarding anyone allow me to have a very interesting overview of the diversity of the specialty coffee market in general. So the problem at my age is you don't really know a lot about life and it's, it's very hard to project yourself in the future and to really find something, a profession which will guarantee your personal fulfillment. So I think that to choose something on purpose for your career, you really need to experiment, you need to try, you need to meet a lot of people, you need to practice and you need to fail and grow and understand. So this freedom to be a freelance barista gives me the opportunity to not have to determine my future too prematurely. Because there is two options for a barista in our industry. The first one is working in a coffee shop but for me, it was like at the beginning, imagining like I will do probably every day the same and my learning process will be less intense and it could be harder to diversify myself if I was working in a shop. And the second option could be owning my own coffee shop, but I don't feel like I'm ready for that right now. It's a lot of responsibility and it's also a lot of risk and a lot of investment in terms of money, time, and if I do that, I will not be able to travel like I'm doing right now and I will not, yeah, I will be stuck there for the next three or five years. So this is not what I really want to do right now. So I realized that my personal development was on a completely different track. So I realized that I needed to create a different approach of the barista job. So my strategy became to join work and experience 
in an everyday learning process. So that became my personal strategy. So I start from the chance of being independent to the strategy of an intense self-education. And of course, the very important role of competition in my situation. So for me, competition represents the number one to, in terms of intensification of your learning process. So that's a real catalyst. And it pushes yourself, you have to extend and boost all this diversification because you have to understand all the steps of the coffee chain. You don't necessarily need to control them, but you need to understand and you need to research and you need, it's a lot of practice and it's a lot of, yeah. That's, I think it's extending the diversification and the intensification of your learning process a lot. And also it puts you to be aware about which value you want to transmit. Um, you really have to be careful about, about that when you are an ambassador. Because I don't think like you need to be a winner to be an ambassador. I just think like competing is already being an ambassador during this 15 minutes and, and then. So also as an independent, being a competitor helps me to be recognized by the coffee industry, to be recognized as a professional, because as I don't work for any coffee shop, I don't have any visibility. So as a freelance, the competition gave me this possibility and this window. So that also uh, completely increased the demand in terms of quantity and in terms of quality. So of course, I, thanks to that, I made much more money. And that opened much more opportunities, much more perspectives. And I have the privilege now to choose among all of these possibilities. And I have the privilege to refuse what is not appropriate to my personal goals and my personality. So that's a huge privilege to be able to choose and to say no. And of course, being um, independent, I think, allow me to compete. Because I don't know many companies who would support a barista who is traveling half a year and looking for a competition coffee, practicing, training, doing the research, that's a huge amount of work, and I don't know many companies who will be able to pay people to do that. So being independent gives me this freedom to choose to prepare for competition. So I start from this, this problem and this, very, this limit of the status of freelance barista. But then I start to think about all the advantages I get from this very precarious system. So I finally decided to build a career as an independent as a personal decision. Because I start to see a lot of advantages, like for me the first one will be the neutrality that it's giving to you. So because you are freelance, you are independent, you don't work for any specific company, you are completely neutral, so you don't have to deal with the concurrency issue. So I can work with any brands in any sector, like espresso machine, grinders, cleaning products, can be water filtration or different rosters. So that's, that's again amazing to experiment all of these possibilities in our industry. Um, and also what I like is the company shows you for your personal qualities, and not because you represent a brand or you represent um, a market, and it's the same in the other sense, like I choose to work with the company or the people who have the same interest and the same values as me. So it's a real exchange and our engagement is never built on the market demand, it's more built around human and coffee values. This is what I really appreciate with this freelance stages. So that allow me to experiment many steps of the coffee chain 
um, to work into it and also that allow me to understand deeper that everything interacts in our coffee industry and everything necessitates a common cooperation. So being free pushed me to create more connection. Um, you have to federate the people and it's also easier to build smart relationships which are sustainable beyond the market dependence. So it's not about answering only to the market demand, it's all only about your own choices and your own goals in life. So I try to really focus on what it's interesting for me and what is rewarding for me. So I really turn this strategy, if we can call that a strategy, to what is making me personally happy. And what is making me happy is meeting new people, sharing, learning, traveling, in always kind of win-win relationship. And that would be impossible if I was working in a coffee shop or impossible if I was owning my coffee shop. So it's like, I can compare it to, to school. Like at school you have to learn and you have to try about all the topics and all the subjects. Uh, and then we have, when you have learned in a very general way, you are able to make a more specific decision for your orientation. And it's a little bit what I'm experimenting right now with this kind of freelance status. So it's not about the business strategy, it's not about building my own brand or building a marketing strategy, not at all. It's only about creating the best opportunities and creating yet yeah, the best opportunities to learn, discover, and live my passion in the most intensive way. That's actually my real strategy. So that's, that's a personal decision that start from a chance, but which became a real strategy built from my goals and my personality and what I really want to achieve in life. So of course I still have no idea of where I want to end up, if I have to be honest. But I don't think it's, it's the problem. What I really want to continue is like being able to grow and this freedom let me grow as much as I want. Um, the most important thing I think to be able to grow is to build an appropriate environment around you, which is in harmony with your personality and your, your goals in life. And this environment is made by the people that surround you. And I'm lucky enough to be supported by amazing people. For you I have a tons of respect and admiration. Special thanks to Sanapo. Sorry. Um, so this instability and insecurity became a real source of energy and a real source of motivation. So that freedom is also feeding my incertitude, but I think it's, it's good and it's like a power for my personal development and it's, and it's good to question yourself every day. So that's remembering me that every morning. And I'm so excited because I know that every day I will learn something new for, from so many different people. So <clears throat> I think that the best attitude you should adapt if you want to keep learning in this intense way is just to be humble and admit that you don't know. And this is what I'm doing. I just, instead of trying to hide my ignorance, I just prefer to claim it. So this way I'm always in the best situation to be able to learn something from anyone. So this independent statue is more like a way um, I can pursue this route of experiment and experiment the diversity of industry. And the fact that I don't know where I want to end up is not a problem because I think the most important thing is the way you adapt to go to this goal. Um, 
I don't attach a lot of importance to the results. And I like to compare that to competition. Of course, we are competitors and we want to win and we like the competition mode, but this is, we don't do that for the final ranking. We do that for the amazing experience that is offering to you during all of this training. That's the real goal and meaning of competition. And I think it should be the same for a career. Um, so this status is more like a step or a transition, which is giving me the most precious feeling, the feeling of freedom and the feeling of a complete open future. So of course, it's not a very comfortable situation. Um, but I don't think that comfort is the best situation if you want to improve and if you want to progress. So sometimes I don't make any money at all, but I travel and I'm able to live my passion in a great and intensive way. So I would say instead of trying to build a brand, just be yourself and try to find something which, may, which will make you improve as a professional, but also as a person. So the question is, what is most important to you in life in general? Thank you so much for your attention. Is this on? Oh yes, wow, it is on. Are we on? Um, Fantastic presentation. I've got lots of questions. I've been scribbling away here. I know. Uh, I, I may have to give them an opportunity to ask some too. Opportunity to ask some too. To try to understand your questions. Remember? <laughs> I, I know. I know. The, the best thing, first time I met Charlotte was uh, at the WBC and you just said to me, can you please speak slowly? I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> And still today, no idea. Yeah, no, Francesca, like, this is... Yeah, Francesco is like the first person who really trusted me and is the, the first one who really pushed me into this industry. And so, yeah, I think I owe him a lot of things because, yeah, he was doing everything for me and, yeah, training for competition. He was the one who pushed me to compete the first time. So I'm very thankful. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to go to the very start of the presentation when you said um, you had your first specialty coffee experience yes. and you didn't really like it. And I think we've all been there at some point, that first time of having something so different. Yeah, you're right. Why did you go back? <laughs> Why did you go for a second cup? Yeah, so I tried this espresso and it was like, wow, I found this acidity. I mean, I'm French, so I'm used to drink a lot of bad coffee. and So we used to put a lot of sugar into it and it's like, but we like it this way, so I didn't have any idea about specialty coffee. So I tried this first espresso specialty coffee cup, and I was like, wow, that is, this is not coffee. But I think it's the same story that happened to many, many of people in this room. Um, and the barista told me like, yeah, but that's, that's a single origin, that's good, this acidity is very positive because you have these flavors. And I was like, what, single origin? It's like, coffee can have different origin, and it's like, yeah, there is different origin, different varieties, different process, and that's bringing you different taste profile. And I was like, wow, coffee origin taste profile, that's, that's too much. I need to, to learn more about that. So I was very curious. I didn't like it, I mean, but the fact that there is all of these possibilities and this diversity, that really fascinates me. I, I think that crosses across many different types of drinks and beverages and food and all of those things, the way you, first time you try it, you think, and yeah, then yeah. you kind of grow into it. Um, you're obviously very well known for competition, 
Uh, and I think there's lots of people here who've competed either at national level and, and international mm -hmm. level. Some even won it. And we all know the expense of competing in competition, you know, buying cups, buying, you know, being an independent British, you're going to have to buy coffee even. True. How do you pay for all of that, being independent? Because I, I've seen how much it can cost and it can just run away and be crazy. True, that's a lot of money <laughs> to compete in WBC or any kind of competition. So, first of all, I save money when I'm working sometimes. So I try to save money for that, but the other part of the money came from sponsors that I get to compete, otherwise I would not be able to do all of this travel and to be able to yeah, choose this kind of coffee and buy all of it to bring on stage. And we'll also have a whip round at the end as well, so we'll pass a hat round. And <laughs> um, so with the work that you're doing as an independent barista, I think you touched on it a little bit, but what difference did it make getting to a World Barista Championship final? I mean, what difference has that made to the opportunities that were coming your way before and then coming your way after? Yeah, that, that completely changed my life. I mean, since this final last year, I think I didn't stop to travel. Maybe I'm like home five days a month maximum. <laughs> so that, what I said, it's completely increasing the demand. So I have like, I receive invitations from everywhere, but it's most of the time I don't make any money, but it's a great experience and I meet people and it's still in this learning experience that I, that I try to build. So it's in correlation with competition all the time because all what you're learning all year long, you bring it back to competition. And what you learn to com in competition, you bring it back to your personal life and, <clears throat> and career. So yeah, competition completely increases like all my travels. I think last time we met was in El Salvador, so I kind of know that you're traveling here, there and it's everywhere. And, uh, and that. This is a chance for you guys to ask Charlotte a question. So uh, has anybody got a question that they'd like to put? Oh, well done, Taylor. So unlike you, Taylor, to uh, you know, to want to speak out. <laughs> I can't hear you. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm just curious because I mean I, I know the the situation of French coffee and I know that it can be pretty bad. Where did you have the first coffee and what was it? It was in Aix en Provence oh. in a training center actually. Ah, cool. but yeah, specialty coffee is growing now in France. I mean. So we're improving a lot, but there is still this culture of very bad coffee and you know, robusta and dark roast blend. And so we're like, it's it's a fight, you know. Yeah, and the, the French mindset of like, you're meant to hold your nose and drink it. That's how you drink espresso. Like, yeah, yeah. it's hard to break the culture, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very hard. Like, so I think like for me, like the next the next step is to to work with chief, because they have like kind of this visibility and. And so it's it's easier to like transmit this value of quality through them because they already have this this let's say knowledge and they have this view from all the people and they are very famous so everyone is okay to listen to a chief less to a barista. Um, so. Has there been? Do you know of any like Michelin-starred restaurants in France that have thought about their coffee in the way that we are thinking about coffee? Yeah, I'm working with a restaurant in Aix-en-Provence which is called La Violette. And so we try to build like whole menu with specialty coffee. Um, so people look at the menu and they are like, oh wow, why is this origin, this sauce for this chicken? And it's like, just to like bring a little light in the mind of the people and just they realize that, okay, again, specialty coffee can be so diverse and can be so fascinating. And they don't realize that, yeah, that that's so diverse and you can have like all of these flavors. It's about, all about the flavors. People don't imagine that it can be something different as bitterness. 
So this is the only thing I just, I'm just fighting for right now. Any other questions? Oh, that's loud. I like this one. Um, any other questions out there? Come on, there has to be. Can see. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so you said you work on a lot of uh, events and fairs and stuff. Um, how do you source your coffee for that? How do you choose it? Um, is it sometimes difficult to choose actually uh, the coffee you want to work with um, and what your client wants you to work with? Or so when I work on exhibitions, it's like, for example, if I work for an espresso machine company, they will choose the coffee because they will work themselves with different roasters. But then I can also bring my coffee, so I try to be like very diverse and like work with some friends that I have and bringing different coffee all the time. So I try to be like very neutral again, like not working with only one roaster. So I try to work with many people because yeah, I don't want to to get in only one market. So I try to be, yeah, to keep this diversity as much as I can. And another, oh, I'm coming up the stairs. Thank you. Hi. Um, how much time did it take um, for you from your first espresso and what were the main steps in your career? Did you work before or did you immediately start as a freelance barista and was it long ago, uh, your first espresso? And yeah, how long did it take? So I'm actually a barista since four years now. So I did my first barista training and like the trainer was like, okay, you're, you're good, you should, you should work as a barista. So if you want like create this status of independent, this status of freelance barista, so I can hire you to work in some trade show or any kind of event. So I started like this, just you know, brewing espresso and pouring some milk into like, I didn't really understood what I, what I was doing, but then I did other trainings and I become like more and more I improve more and more like this, but yeah, I start like my first my first job was freelance. I never worked be behind the behind the bar. Fantastic, Mr. Morrissey wants to uh, ask a question. Hi. Hey. Um, so people talk about you know, as coffee shops, you know, people say about French coffee is not very good. You said it yourself; it's famous for having kind of like you know not being great. But now we're starting to see good shops coming along. What would you like to see that's as coffee gets better in France, what elements that are very French would you like to see continue? Like, what is it about French cafe, coffee culture that you would like to see live on as hopefully all of it gets better? Yeah, I would like to see, like, to keep seeing people drinking coffee all day long in all the restaurants and bistro. And we are a huge coffee culture and we are coffee people in France. I just would like to see the quality increasing. Like, I'm not saying. A I'm not talking about crazy expensive specialty coffee, but just as we talked yesterday, like hockey coffee and just the normal average of a decent espresso or a decent brew, just just this quality could be a little bit improved and the quality of roasting, I think that's what we should improve and our blend. But then I will, yeah, what, is, what we should do is like keeping this culture as that we are all going out for coffee. And if you walk in Paris or in Aix-en-Provence or in any city, you see like tons of people in the terrace having caf cafe. Um, so this is, this is completely inside our culture. We just need to change our approach and we just need to consider it as we do with wine. So we always do this comparison with, with wine tasting and wine quality and we are okay to put 200 euros in a bottle of wine. And it's not a problem for us because we appreciate this quality. But the problem is like we are not ready for that yet for coffee. 
So that's a little bit extreme, but just having the normal decent espresso with clean machine, that will be a revolution. <laughs> I want to be an independent barista if 200 euro and a bottle of wine is nothing. Uh, <laughs> um, another question coming here. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Shana. Hi. Um, just listening to people speak about French coffee, right, and the image of French coffee, and the, you know, the sort of, you know, there's an edge when they talk about French coffee, and it's interesting because I think that um, the coffee in France is certainly, well, the coffee in France, uh, in inverted commas, everywhere in France, if you just walk into a bar, is certainly very bad, and there's no thinking behind it. But I find that people are very harsh on us in France, okay? Meaning they're even strict, they're, they're even, there's a certain level of increased disappointment with French coffee compared to other countries. And um, because, you know, France is a gastronomic brand. Okay? I agree, yeah. But on your travels, um, I mean, do you, I mean, in, let's take Europe, especially continental Europe, okay? I mean, I'd say the coffee's bad everywhere, right? And you have to know where to go to get good coffee. You have to know, you have to have addresses, right? And um, in the UK, it's, it's improved um, a lot, but still, I mean, you know, uh, the public is different. But my question is, on your travels, I mean, do you think, do you think, I think, um, France is, judged more harshly compared to other countries in, in Europe or even other, other places in the world outside Australia and New Zealand, for example. Mm. Yeah, but I agree that anywhere you're going, you need to know which are the good coffee places. And you don't get great coffee in, in restaurants in any countries. But is, I think we are more disappointed in France because we, are, we have, as you said, this gastronomic culture. And we are supposed to be a model of gastronomy and taste and high quality. and our coffee is terrible. So it's just this disappointment that we have. It's, it's very paradoxical. Um, it's just hard to change the mentality because French, I think, are so sure about themselves. And because we have this culture of gastronomy, we think that we are the best in all what we're doing. And so it's very hard like, to change the mind of the people, say, OK, guys, that's, that's terrible. And we need to think about it in a different way. So that's, I think the fight is even harder for us in France because yeah, we have this mentality and this history. And it's very hard to change that, but yeah, we have great, we have amazing specialty coffee shop, but you need to know them and you need to go there. What I would like to see is like a generalization and being able to find amazing coffee in an amazing restaurant where you are paying. Yeah, we are spending a lot of money in food and wine. Why not in coffee? So. And we've got one last question coming before we wrap up. Uh, given your status as an independent, how do you handle your willingness to travel, gain experience versus your own level of quality. And my question is actually, how do you handle requests from roasters, espresso machine uh, distributors, whatever, that don't match your level of quality that you're after? So yeah, I try to choose the person and the companies which will match the most with my attempt of quality and of learning. So I really try to, yeah, they are paying for all my travel. So I didn't spend any money on traveling. So I will not be able to do that if it was my money, of course. So yeah, I have kind of, I'm working with always the same, let's say the same way of learning. And I try to, to s not to say yes to all the 
the demon because it's impossible, but I try to be very different all the time and to try a learn experience all the time. And I mean, your question was about like, is my travel are, are always paid and how I choose the company I'm working with? Like, I Yeah, I, I, I guess it's I'm kind of how do you say yeah, yeah. no okay. to those I, ones you don't want to work of course, with. I'm, yeah, there are some people I really don't want to work with them because I know they they don't have any any potential to improve and they are not interested in improving. But of course, I'm, we are doing consulting in France, so we're doing consulting for people who are like who are terrible rosters and really try to improve the quality together. So of course, I'm saying yes to people having very bad quality coffee, but it's in a way of, yeah, maybe we can work together and we can improve and we can learn something. Charlotte, this, I think you, one thing you touched on in your presentation was about being an ambassador and Bristol Competition giving you that opportunity. I think you're a fantastic ambassador for France. I think you do a great job. You've great presentation today. Please, huge round of applause Thank for you. Charlotte Malaval. <laughs>